Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the latest, the official podcast of the Brock Press, where we take you behind the headlines and do a deep dive into some of the many interesting articles written by our team this week. My name is Noah Nickel. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brock Press, and today I am joined by our managing editor, Holly Morrison, and our editor-at-large, Jonah Dayton. How are you both doing? Doing well. First week of in-person classes. In the books, right? Yeah. Hitting those books super hard. As me and Jonah both schema, it's been super <laughs> difficult. All those syllabuses to read. Yeah, I had a $40 reading pack and that was it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like we're really getting uh, down to work. I think that's why we're the ones available to do the podcast. Because <laughs> 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 Polystyle is not much uh, different. But we're happy to be back. Uh, I think it's all of us are finally back on campus for some classes. I'm sure all of you have too. And uh, it's uh, it's it's weird, but it is definitely nice after 18 long months away. So, uh, yeah, with that, though, we have a ton of great articles, a lot of interesting topics for sure uh, to get into. So uh, let's not waste any time. Let's get into it. Yeah, so the first article uh, we're going to talk about um, there's actually two articles, both about the vaccine passports. One of them was a news article by our assistant news editor, Devani Shaw, and the other was an opinion by our uh, utility player, Haytham Nawaz. It sort of bounces from section to section. Um, Devani's article sort of just, it's a news article, so sort of laid out the plan more, went over uh, all the different places in which the vaccine passport will be in effect, uh, like the indoor dining, um, gyms, sporting events, um, this one, uh, bathhouses, I didn't know those were still around, but apparently if you're planning on, you know, going to one of those, uh, you need, you need to show your, your vaccine passport. Um, but starting on September 22nd, people will need to show proof of vaccination, um, via their government issued receipt that, uh, you got upon your second shot. And then a month later on October 22nd, um, the government of Ontario is supposed to have an app ready where you can just upload the receipt and then use a QR code to scan it. So. That was Devani's article. Haysom's article, I mean, it was an opinion piece, so thumbs up his opinion on the initiative, and uh, he talks about why he believes that a federally recognized passport is a good idea. He does note that it is a little bit silly to have slightly different provincial passports um, and points out all the headaches that uh, could and probably already has caused with domestic travel, especially if you're going from province to province to province and, you know, you need to, like, read them, read the fine print between uh, provincial legislation. So, um, first question, will the app be ready on October 22nd, yes or no? And if no, which I'm assuming some of, some of you will say no, set the over-under for the number of days that it will be late by. Uh, it's definitely going to be late. It's definitely going to be late. Uh, this is the same government that, uh, you know, couldn't even create decent stickers that could stick onto the gas pump. Uh, or, or the say, license plates that or, like, you couldn't see at night. <laughs> yep. Those those wonderful license plates that don't work uh, for what they're supposed to do half the time. So I, I cannot see this app coming on time. Or if it is, it's not going to work properly. Uh, that's almost a given. Uh, but how long it will take is... <laughs> that's a different different story. Now, when I heard that they were delaying it already to October instead of launching it right away in uh, September. That was an interesting kind of 
message of defeat, but I, whew, I'd have to guess it's going to back right up close to 2022 if I had to, had to guess, probably December. Okay, that is, I thought you were going to say November, but I, I trust your instincts on this one. So I will agree with you and also say, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think, like you said, it's a given it'll be late, but um, if you say December, <laughs> I'm inclined to believe it. I think they're going to do the thing where um, they're, like, you know when you have a prof who's like, I'll mark your test this week, of, and then you get to class next week, and they're like, I'll have it for next week. I think they're going to do that. They're going to be like, oh, it'll be ready by October 22nd, and then it'll, October 22nd will come around, and boom, no app. And then they're going to go, okay, okay, well, we'll have it ready by November. And then it won't be ready in November. Like, okay, okay, we'll have it ready by, like, you know, winter. We'll have it ready by, like, Christmas time. So we love to have things ready around Christmas time. And then we'll be like, oh, the new year. And then I think they're just going to hope that we all forget that they said they were going to have an app. It's important to remember government basically shuts down very early in December, which is kind of why I think it's going to be, like, a last push out the door kind of thing, like the last thing that gets done until, like, when they come back, like February. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that's my best guess. But yeah, if anyone's worse at meeting deadlines, uh, then Professor is definitely, definitely the government. Uh, especially this government in particular. There's just so many little errors, which is the funny part. There's bigger things that I disagree with and think are terrible from the Florida government. But how many little, just like, stupid mistakes and mishaps they've had is just so funny to me and this is just ripe for another kind of situation that falls in that same same category i think yeah i seem to agree with you given um many many years in the tdsb uh the provincial government works slow um but i think that is all for the vaccine passports and um i think noah is going to take us through his feature So for my feature piece, which is kind of just the, the name we give some of the bigger articles that uh, we write and to generally add more important topics, though that's not always the case. I've written a lot of stupid ones over the years, but this is one definitely um, hits a little bit harder. Uh, talked about the opioid epidemic. It was kind of, I was graciously uh, connected with some folks in St. Catharines who are um, working working at this uh, for personal and professional reasons um, who are really trying to tackle the opioid crisis here at home uh, as as much as they're able to do, if not more than they might have thought they'd be able to do. And, you know, they are having an impact because, uh, and we need people like that because this last year has been really devastating for opioid use has, has grown dramatically and the negative effects of that are are known. Uh, and we they kind of bear that out in the uh, in the data. Uh, we're at you know hospitalization rates and death rates uh, and overdose reported overdose rates that far exceed uh, the last few years when it's already been you know consistently climbing and really uh, you know the, the locking down of of things and you know the general anxiety and and stress and other mental health impacts of the pandemic is clearly. Uh, had a toll, and it's playing out in the opioid epidemic. So that's 
kind of what um, you know spurred me to to write this, especially that mixed with you know having the opportunity kind of dropped in my lap to to speak to some really important and um, you know inspirational people who are having a really big local impact on on the opioid epidemic. Uh, one in particular, his name is Steve Borisenko. His son, uh, Jacob, passed away over the summer from an accidental overdose. Uh, and he was actually working on an, an app with a team of people that, you know, he works with in business and others who have been reaching out after learning about his project. Uh, and so the hope is to develop this app that will uh, notify people of bad batches of illicit drugs, uh, send the alerts that come from Niagara Public Health and EMS and whoever else uh, to notify people of where bad batches of certain drugs are to try to help avoid accidental overdoses, uh, which is fantastic and supposed to do uh, a whole heap of other things he mentioned, although it's in very early stages of development. So uh, it will be coming when it when it comes. But right now, it's uh, a really great project that they are kind of in the in the midst of working through. So yeah, it was it was a great opportunity uh, for sure. So uh, to kind of bring it over to you guys a little bit, not to, you know, make it uh, too uh, too dark and too rambly for me, but, um, you know, does anything stand out to either of you uh, from the article regarding, you know, opioids or the epidemic or uh, naloxone or anything else that I, that I mentioned? Yeah, I sort of just wanted, um, I'm from Brantford, I said that on the podcast before, um, it's a place uh, that the opioid epidemic hit super hard. I think last time I was aware, it had the second highest um, overdose and hospitalization rate in the province, which is, it's also like a pretty small town. So that's definitely, you know, more use than is proportional to our population. Um, so, you know, I've definitely always been aware of the opioid, opioid epidemic. And I also, one of the things that, really stuck out to me about the people that you talked to and the way that you wrote the article was just sort of the compassion and understanding that there was from these people working in this crisis because I know when I was in high school it was very much like don't do drugs at all um don't you know if you do drugs you are a bad person and you don't deserve help that was very much the message that was getting put out which is in my opinion not very helpful and inaccurate um, and so the thing with sort of reading about the app, um, you know, the app is meant to help young people do this safely because it's very hard to tell someone, um, you know, if someone has those pre-existing, um, you know, factors in their life that are going to lead to drug use if they're already abusing substances just telling them that they're bad people and that they have to stop isn't super helpful. It's not going to save any lives. So to have an app that, you know, for example, has a large font and simple instructions so that someone who might even be on drugs can read it and understand it, I think that that's so much more just infinitely helpful than, you know, just saying drugs are bad and people who do drugs are bad and we're going to wash our hands of this completely. I think it's so much more important to have people who genuinely care and who want to not just demonize people with substance abuse problems, um, but to genuinely help them and save lives. So that was my little tangent. Yeah, I thought it was also um, good, Noah, that you had uh, both sort of ends of the spectrum. You had the pharmacist, Raj, who um, 
sort of broke it down in, in layman's terms for us. And then you also had uh, this guy, Steve, who um, has about as you know close a connection with this crisis as anyone. Um, so I thought it was very good just reading it to get uh, those two sort of points of views. Um, and I think Holly sort of summed up uh, you know, the gist of it pretty nicely. Yeah, I think it's important to understand the limits and kind of scope of the resources you have available to deal with something like this. And how, even Holly mentioned, how kind of deeply intertwined it can be in someone's, almost like their DNA a little bit, to like to have kind of dispositions to um, you know, addiction and things like that. So it's it's definitely a larger problem than might have ever been thought of in the past, right? It, how people have been viewed as uh, criminal, like you mentioned, and kind of cast out seems to be uh, shifting in the other direction. And so it's, I think it's a better use of resources to understand that it's a wildly complex issue and requires cooperation from the person I'm dealing with. They're uh, additionally used um, and abuse of, of drugs, so it's it's much easier said than done to to really uh, get someone off of those drugs, uh, which I, I do think is generally speaking ideal. Uh, but certainly, you know, understanding the the limitations of how you can necessarily impact every individual's life, uh, I think it's really important to have things like this that are, you know, promoting safe, safer use um, of drugs um, like opioids because, yeah, you, you know, you, you really can't, you know, there's just so many factors um, that make it hard to treat addiction uh, to support those who are addicts. So really this seems to me to be the best, um, a best foot forward. And it's, you know, fantastic to see Steve take that, that initiative to do that. Um, and to really be committed to saving, you know, as many lives as he can with his app, which, you know, if, if it's downloaded, it absolutely will. You know, there's no question about it that that having that information at your hands is, is crucial. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's just a matter of when it comes out, the lives it'll save, not, you know, it's necessarily its effectiveness. It's, it's clear that, you know, this will be, um, Wildly useful and uh, helpful for those struggling. Yeah, and it's um, you know you mentioned the app, um, and it's not just you know if and when it comes out. Um, not if, not what if um, when it comes out. Obviously, um, it's not just you know the opioid epidemic doesn't just hit the people who you think of as you know drug users and you know it's not just that image in your head that you have of you know a struggling addict who's you know on something all the time it's you know we live in a university town and it's I think kind of naive to pretend that students aren't taking drugs recreationally they're you know party drugs there are people who take party drugs who may you know not consider themselves to have a substance use problem and indeed may not that's really none of my business um but with the opioid epidemic so many batches of drugs that you know would not otherwise lead to an overdose taken in you know the quantities that they usually taken 
so many batches of drugs are being laced with things that are stronger. And so you can take something or your friend can take something. You can be at a party and you can see someone take something that you don't think is going to lead to an overdose that very well might because you don't know what's in it. So having that app, having a naloxone kit on you, um, you can get them at most pharmacies, I know. Um, I carry one with me all the time. Um, having one of those is something that can um, save a life. It's one of those things that you hope you never have to use, but if you do, like, thank God you had it. Um, so, yeah, it's it can happen to anyone, really. Yeah, absolutely, especially, um, you know, people not just taking drugs recreationally, but almost in, like, a self-medicating way to, well, it could be medicating, but I, more I was trying to get at is, like, common thing is someone will take supplements to, um, or some type of drugs that might be been prescribed to someone, but then they really sell those drugs in, on the illicit market, uh, and they might use those for, you know, focusing for studying and for getting work done. And th those drugs themselves are, uh, you know, they have their intended effects and, you know, people take them unprescribed or not and it tends to do the job for them. But yeah, like, I mean, Stephen mentioned that in my interview with him that you, you know, you never know what that's laced with. And you mentioned it as well, Holly, right? So if you were taking something, you think it's one thing and it's another, or you think it's one amount and it's another amount, and you have a react or a reaction, you overdose, sorry, uh, and you don't have a, a kit nearby or no one else does, then you will die. And that's what he said. And it's pretty frank. It's pretty dark, but it's true. And uh, yeah, I think that's important to consider too, right? We're all, we're certainly not superheroes. We're not immune uh, to these things. So definitely much, much better to be safe than sorry if you're uh, using to any degree. Um, but no, exactly what you were saying about the stuff being laced with, you know, fentanyl and other, uh, you know, anonymous drugs. That's not to sort of connect it to another article we, we put out this week, but um, we wrote an article, Alejandro, our arts editor, wrote a piece about Mac Miller, and, you know, that's how he died. It was, a, it was an accidental drug overdose because it was laced with stuff that he wasn't expecting. There's been examples. There's a baseball player, Tyler Skaggs, who, exact same thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of prominent, I guess, celebrity deaths that, um, you know, it's this exact issue. It's, it's the stuff that, um, they don't necessarily know that they're taking that, that kills them in the end. So, um, I think the piece you wrote, Noah, summed up well and, um, you know, it was, was a really good way to just sort of kick off, uh, you know, the discussion over it. So the opinion article that I wrote this week that we're going to talk about, um, it feels a little bit weird to intro my own article. I don't think I've done that yet. Um, but it is a very strong opinion that I have. And I think it's kind of an important opinion, um, especially, you know, talking about going back to school and, you know, campus culture, what kind of person you want to be here. Um, so I wrote about Barstool Sports, um, which you may or may not, know about um you probably do even if you don't think you do they're basically just an online publication brand kind of they're a company with the heavy internet focus i would say um but they've done some controversial stuff they've done some super misogynistic stuff they've done 
some super racist stuff, some super homophobic stuff, some super transphobic stuff, and pretty much everything else that you can think of that is messed up. And so I went in and wrote about, obviously I laid out the controversies, um, all of the messed up stuff they've done, and sort of just talked about how so many people just shrug it off as just kind of bad jokes, um, poor taste jokes, how it's just, you know, this is just how guys talk, this is just dude humor. Um, but actually, you know, it's not just a joke and it's not just a flag. They make those Saturdays with the boys' flags. Um, you've definitely seen those around, even if you don't know that they're barstool. Um, and it's not just a joke. It's something that has, I think, a super negative impact on sort of the culture of college campuses and the culture of being like a 20-something. Um, so I went into that. Um, I don't think I held back at all. There were a couple things I said that... Um, <laughs> I went in later, and Noah went in later, and really, this might be a bit much. Um, but yeah, so I wrote about their whole shtick and how I think it's messed up. Um, so I guess I just wanted to ask you guys, um, what do you guys think of Barstool, and what have your sort of interactions with that company been? Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so it's, it's pretty funny because, like, I'm their prime targets right i'm you know early 20s white like sports um but i really have i've never had extended interactions with them i think a lot of it's because i don't have instagram and never have had instagram and i feel like that's sort of you know where they make their living um but like for someone who you know like me who is a big sports fan consumes a lot of sports media listens to a ton of podcasts like it is just sort of odd that uh i've sort of just naturally avoided them um you know, my whole life, but, um, I also intend to keep it that way. I don't follow any of their employees or affiliates on Twitter, which is like the only social media that I do have. Um, so I don't like see them in my feed. I don't like see their things pop up or whatnot. Um, and it seems, I guess I, I'm not too familiar with them, but it seems like from the outside looking in, it's like very, very surface level sports fandom. Like they post, you know, I, the highlights, um, you know, we'll talk about the very, very, you know, baseline, do not dive deep very much, which, you know, there's definitely a place for that. Um, and there's definitely, I mean, obviously, you know, there are millions of followers, so there's obviously a place for that. Um, but that's just sort of never really been, I guess, the stuff that I'm into. And like Holly was saying, it doesn't really help that um, the reputation uh, is rightfully bad. And even more so, like Holly mentioned it off the top and I'm sure he'd agree, like, we're both in SPEMA, and, like, you walk into a SPEMA lecture hall, and, like, 95% of the people, you know, are their, are, are their followers, on paper, at least, I don't know, but, um, so, I don't know, it is, I guess I'm a little bit, but I'm pleasantly surprised that I've sort of managed to avoid them my whole life, because it's really, it's not the stuff that um, I'm into at all, um, I find just sort of the stuff I've seen on the periphery to be a bit obnoxious, and obviously Holly uh, broke it down in her article, and she also included all the links to the uh, controversies, which is good for me because I wasn't too familiar with them, but just uh, hopping around, reading uh, a bit of um, the hyperlinks that she included. Um, I'm on board. I support her article, and um, I'm interested to hear what Noah has to say as someone who uh, is not a sports fan and see what he has to say, so throw it to you. Yeah, I guess I'm the only one who was engaged with their content at all. 
definitely not the sports side, as you mentioned, not a sports fan, but uh, Holly kind of mentioned it in her article, just kind of the, the person who just sort of, not subconsciously, but just kind of passively consumed the, you know, like the, the meme content and the, you know, the short clips. They really have an expertly crafted social media presence. I think that's undeniable. Uh, not to speak to the, to the quality of the company in terms of the stuff that Holly mentioned, which I had never seen how those links were quite, uh, quite something. They're, it's worth the article just to kind of click through some of those. It's quite absurd. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they really have such a large kind of network, I guess it would be called, just countless channels associated with them. And uh, you really, they, they have a niche for anyone really in their 20s that can kind of just craft through through the algorithm. You engage with one thing that you say, oh, it's pretty funny or whatever. And it's pretty quick that they will, uh, you know, have you inundated with similar content and, you know, the Instagram algorithm kind of keeps that flowing for you. So you just kind of keep passively consuming that uh, if you want. But uh, speak to what Holly mentioned earlier. I mean, their, <laughs> their grip on, on college culture is, in, it's, Immeasurable, and you know, it, it might not be a name that everyone knows, Barstool, as Holly mentioned, but they certainly know some of their content. They know uh, some of their channels and some of their kind of insignia, like the like those ugly flags, those stupid flags <laughs> that are just plastered over so many people's gross dorm room walls. Uh, I think it's way a way bigger deal in the states. I think that's also a big part of it. I got university, yeah, like sports culture in university, like what, we got six people showing up at like Brock soccer games um, that aren't parents, so versus in the States when you have like 60,000 people, you know, tailgating for, for the football game, so I think that is also a, a big part of it that it's, I'm, it, it is undeniably way, way, way bigger in the U.S. Now, but the thing which Holly kind of gets into too is it's not just sports fans who are meatheads. Uh, jumping through tables and chugging beers. So yeah, Ollie mentions that ex- explicitly that she's not out to condemn people for having a good time. Yeah, but, I'm not. I'm not anti-party. I like. I love right. a video of a guy jumping through a table as much as the next person. But if I see that it was posted by Barstool, that puts a bad taste in my mouth. Right, and I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's more what I think it is. It's not about less sports heads, which I do think you're right, is probably more states things, but that's because they're also into a lot of sports uh, gambling and sports betting, uh, which is not a lot of that's uh, legal here in Canada, but it probably has something to do with their sort of targeting of the sports market to the to the U.S. Uh, but, and yeah, just college sports, obviously, are just a completely different beast in the U.S. That's undeniable, but uh, culturally otherwise, I mean, they just are huge, right? And just absolutely um, undeniable presence. I mean, the people I see whose who's politics, I would say, certainly don't line up with Portnoy's or, you know, any anyone else who's gotten in trouble from that stupid company. And, uh, you know, and, and they they share their content willingly and regularly and, you know, favorite it on Instagram. I just, it's so funny. It's really, really more insidious than, than you think in terms of the you know, the, the background stuff, which Holly really enlightened me to, but 
insidious more is I don't know if that was the right term. I also meant like just how pervasive that's more what I meant. How pervasive Barstool is in uh, you know in universities here in Canada too. It just isn't necessarily that sports focused. Yeah, I also just wanted to sort of rant a little bit. I did see a rumor that Major League Baseball was like negotiating with Barstool to have them broadcast a few games. Like, please uh, do not screw up my favorite sport, please, with these these guys commentating their games. I know the commissioner already hates the sport and is kind of a nut, but oh my God, if they do that, I'm going to lose my mind because uh, no one hates baseball more than the people running it, which is so... Infuriating, but um, my God, please do not do that. I'll lose my mind. It's I agree with you completely. These guys are everywhere. I hockey's my sport. Um, generally speaking, women's hockey too. They tried. They tried so hard. They had a whole thing last February where they were trying to get in on women's hockey while also being rampant misogynists, like unrepentant misogynists. So it was. Ooh, it just makes me mad. Um, that's a whole rant that I will not get into, um, just because I could go for hours about them. But yeah, they are, not only are they, like, terrible, um, not only are they people who do terrible things, I think, you inarguably, um, they've done bad stuff, they've been racist and misogynist and homophobic, um, not only that, but I just think they make really bad content. I don't think anyone who works for that company, any of, the, any of the content I've seen from them, I don't think it's particularly funny. Most of the stuff they post on their Instagram is stolen from other people. They'll just see someone else's funny Instagram video and riff it. That was a whole thing that happened, I think it was a couple years ago, where it was, I want to say the content creator saw that Marshall had taken their video um, downloaded it and then posted it to their own Twitter page and then they sued them for intellectual property. And then immediately after that, Barstool took down, I want to say it was like 40,000 Instagram posts of things that presumably they could have gotten sued because it was stolen content. So I just, I don't see any reason to keep engaging with this company other than the fact that they are everywhere for whatever reason. They... It's like, Noah said insidious was the wrong word. It is kind of insidious. They have so much content, and it gets shoved at you through an algorithm. And we think that, you know, we think of Barstool Sports, and we're like, ah, it's for the meathead dudes. It's for the schema bros who are, you know, played junior hockey and could have gone pro, but they hurt their knee. It's for those kind of guys. <laughs> but it's not even. It's like they've tried to corner the market on, like, 20-something-year-old women with, um, that Call Her Daddy podcast, um, which I listened to five minutes of just to see what it was about, and it's not great. It's also pretty misogynistic, um, even though it's run by women, because women can absolutely be misogynistic. Um, but yeah, they are. They have so many markets cornered, and it's it's nuts, and it's everywhere. And you know, my opinion article was just to say that was bad. Okay, I just did a quick Google, and I found this uh, headline that says MLB and Barstool streaming rights deal has 10% chance, according to the president, this Portnoy guy. So, whew, big relief, because that would be pretty much the end of me.
wanted to uh, sort of reintroduce our sports coverage here at the Black Press now that fall sports are finally back after a year and a half. So actually, it's been two years since fall sports started because it was September 2019 was when the last, the last season started. So it's been a while, but we are back um, and we do plan on extensively coveraging um, soccer teams, rugby teams, lacrosse, baseball, softball. Um, so stay tuned for our sports coverage. Um, we hope to, you know, we hope that COVID won't uh, play too big of a factor because I know there's already some uh, restrictions on interviews and, you know, masks and all that. But um, we will try our best. So keep on the lookout for that. It will be coming starting next week. Good stuff. Good stuff. And with that, we will uh, wrap up this episode. We had lots of good discussion, lots of a whole spectrum of different topics, that's for sure. Uh, so we want to just thank you for tuning into this latest episode, and I wanted to thank Holly and Jonah for joining me to talk about these uh, super interesting topics. <laughs> and uh, we want to thank you all for listening as well. We really appreciate uh, your continued listenership. Uh, remember that you can find the full articles that we talked about here today and many, many more by going over to our website, www.brockpress.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, all at The Brock Press as well. Uh, on top of following us on social media, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can find it on Anchor.fm, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Uh, just be sure to look up the latest The Brock Press podcast and you should find us no problem. You can also find the podcast on our YouTube channel and at our website. With all that said, thanks again and we'll see you next week for another episode.